Hello, and welcome to the Rooted in Reliability podcast, your plant performance podcast, where we dive deeper into asset management techniques and know-how. I'm your host, James Kovacic, and I will be your guide to achieving industry best practice. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is here to provide you with the insights to improve plant performance and deliver bottom line results to your organization. In case you missed the last episode, you can find the Rooted in Reliability podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the reliability.fm network. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now let's dive into today's topic. It's my pleasure to welcome back Doug Plucknet. Welcome back, Doug. How you doing, James? Doing good. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of a busy Friday to uh, join me today. <laughs> You're welcome. I always look forward to these. All right. Excellent. So, Doug, you're an author, president, and owner of Reliability Solutions, Inc. I know I've followed quite a bit of your work in the past and still continue to do. Although super brief, can you give us an introduction to yourself, your background, that type of thing? All right, sure. Um, I actually started as a tradesperson at East Macodia Company. I went through an apprenticeship as a pipe fitter. Then I worked as a uh, journeyman for a while, then a lead person, and then a little stint as a supervisor, then went back to night school at uh, RIT for reliability engineering. Uh, That's really why I developed uh, the RCM Blitz process. I was still at Kodak then. Um, I did some uh, pilots on it. It was successful, and that's when I kind of made the decision to go out and and try the consulting world on my own, and it, it happened to work out. That was in 1999, I want to say. So uh, I've been doing that ever since. Um, at this point in time, I'm kind of semi-retired, I call it. Uh, I'm doing some work for uh, customers that I've worked with in the past when they call and say, hey, can you come give us a hand? And uh, occasionally somebody that uh, is saying, hey, we're we're in trouble. We need somebody to come in here and, and, and kind of help us uh, breathe some life into the place. So that's 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 kind of where I'm at. Other than that, I'm spending time at home. Uh, my kids and grandkids all live around here, so there's plenty of things to do. Uh, and uh, I see at least one of them every day, it seems like. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Yeah, that is not a bad way to to spend your time, right? With family, right. take on some jobs you want to be involved with. Sounds like it's working out pretty good. Very good. So um, I'm also a person that uh, through the years, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've had success is that I'm a person that when I come to a company, I'm kind of uh, sometimes brutally honest <laughs> just to say, <laughs> okay, I think what you're trying to bite off here is a little more than you can chew. And uh, why don't we start with something simple? You've got a culture. In fact, I worked with a, a, a company last year that was literally just a mess. Um, leaks everywhere and they're struggling and they've been through multiple leaders and uh, have a high percentage of contract folks in the in the plant. And it was one of those that, hey, can you come help us implement this? And uh, when you get in there and you see what's going on, you go, you know, I might take a step back or two. Uh, yep. You're really in a place where you need to have some victories here and let's work at that and see if we can build people's confidence. And if we do that, then maybe we get some synergy and energy going on uh, that that we can start the more complex things a bit down the road. And that's really where defect elimination comes in as you can uh, start really simple with that. Uh, 
I'm a person that uh, there's yet to be a maintenance group or an operator that when I sit down with them and talk and say, what are your problems that they don't all of a sudden just come out with a, with a, just a pile of things that, that you could work on. Right. Yep. And I tell them, Hey, let's start simple and, and, and do some of those things, whether, you know, it's repairing leaks or, uh, looking at, uh, process that's out of control and, and, and saying, how do we bring some things back in control? How does this process work? Um, and, and those are the things that you realize all of a sudden when you start, especially talking with operations people, if they can't explain how the process works, you know you're in trouble, right? Yep, um, absolutely. And, and that's where you, you start saying, okay, there has to be somebody here that has experience and understands, and then you go to that person and say, let's take a step five years, 10 years back and say, was there ever a time that this did run right? And those people inevitably will say, well, yeah, sure. What were we doing different back then? Right? Simple conversations like that, but really looking along the way to find what those defects are. And, and the value of this is, and I, I tell uh, plant managers this, this is at every level, Right? Quality, safety, uh, operations, maintenance, purchasing, uh, you name it, <laughs> accounting. They all have defects that they deal with, right? And unless we get them focused on those, uh, you can build a lot of synergy and, and have a lot of success with this, but you have to work at saying, let's change the culture. Um, and I always, when I see a place like this, like I mentioned one last year, I tell them, this is not a leadership issue. If it was a leadership issue, one of the last five or six that you had in here would have made a change, wouldn't they? Right? You've got a cultural issue. You've got yep. people that are they're feeling down about where they work. They come in, just they put their time in, it's a paycheck. Right? And you've got to change that. You've got to take that plant that's a, struggling to, to operate, that has leaks all over the place and... Uh, firefighting going on on a daily basis to the point where they can't even attend regularly scheduled meetings, right? Uh, yep, you have to put those fires out. I understand that. But those fires are typically all somehow related to some defect, right? Yeah, and, and I like what you're saying there is, right? You want to implement RCM or some other thing, but you're so reactive. You don't have time to do that. And it's too much to bite off. Right. And I think that's where defect elimination comes in. You solve some of these smaller problems, you get some breathing room. Then you can solve other problems, get some breathing room. Then you can embark on some of these journeys. Yeah. And the, the best value of this is I tell them, this is where you will find your internal leaders is by doing this. Right. When you start telling people, look, all we're going to do is simply look to say, let's eliminate defects. What are the problems you're having? What are the simple defects you can work on? You'll see some people go out right away and say, hey, we've had this problem with this uh, particular system where we can't control the flow. And I realized it was a valve that was worn and uh, went to operations and said, let me put a work order in. And I'll change this valve out. And now between the valve and whatever's communicating with it, we've got this back in control. You'll find people that will do those things over and over and over again. And all of a sudden you go, hey, we've got two or three people that are really good at this. Those, it's a good chance that one of those is, is one of your leaders that you're looking for, right? Or maybe even yep. both. 
And then you take those people and you say, let's start working in teams. Pick some people that you think that are picking up on this and are starting to get this, and I want you to help them along. All right. The next thing you know, you've got some natural leaders that have come out, and people will um, see those leaders and respond to them because they realize, hey, this is somebody that really knows what's going on here. Right. They're not somebody that yeah. just got handpicked or pulled off the street from somewhere that, oh, geez, now we got a new supervisor that, you know, was an engineer two years ago. Right. Yeah. No, it's somebody that actually worked here and ran this process and understands how it works and, and helped us bring it back in control. And, you know, we see a difference. Right. That's a yep. leader that has respect and people will respond to that. So. When we're looking at doing this then with those natural leaders that emerge, are they leading or working with a small group of people or are they going out on their own? How are they kind of figuring out where the defects are, where to prioritize? Because I can imagine in a pretty reactive plant, there's probably thousands and thousands of defects. So how are we prioritizing? That's an excellent question. And you can, you can make that list so big that then it again seems insurmountable. And that's why I tell people, you know, start with this just by talking with people. You know, I'm an old-fashioned guy. Get that flip chart out and get people to go up and write down what they think the defects are in their area, right? Once they've created two or three pages of that, then you sit them down as a group and you say, I want you to go up and put a check by, by one, the ones you think are the most important. Pick the five off that list that you think are most important. Have everybody go up and do that. Start working on the ones that have the most check marks. And you can do that as individuals or you can do that as groups. You can say, hey, if you think you can solve that on your own, if you think you've got some ideas about that. And this, again, this is where it not only creates that synergy, it creates trust because people realize, hey, they're actually asking for my opinion and, and, and letting me do things that, you know, we pointed out and recognized. All right. Um, the plant that I was at, I, I told them, crap, I, I would just simply start by leaks, right? And, the, you know, you get the high eyes, you go, oh, no, you know, we, we've tried that before. Well, you didn't stay with it. It's pretty obvious, right? Yep. And where do you start? There's so many. Where do we start? How about we start from the top down, right? Because what you got leaking up here is coming down through this level of grading and that level of grading and that level of yep. grading. And it all ends up at the bottom, doesn't it? So if you try cleaning up the bottom, it's never going to look like you've accomplished anything. <laughs> and I, as funny as that is, I think that's absolutely critical, right? What people can see will make a big difference. Yeah. So that point, if we do all the leaks on the bottom, but stuff's dripping above, nobody thinks we did anything, even though we may have solved 40, 50 leaks in that area. Yeah. I worked with a place, James, 20 years ago where we actually had the cleaning crew collect all the stuff that they swept up on a daily basis and weighed it. Right. And when we started with them saying, let's clean up and fix up these leaks, we're going to measure our success by weighing that every day. Right. And we posted week after week what those weights were. And as they saw that go down and they saw that place clean up, you know, four months later, they're like, we never thought we could do this. We never thought we could do this. And now they can work on what the real problems are, the things that cause those to begin with. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And to that point, you know, air leaks is a simple one, Yeah, right? You generally can measure how much air you're losing. You start solving those. Not only are you reducing energy, you're adding money back to the business, yep. doing all these things. 
The only challenge with it is it's not visible, right? Yeah. People don't see it, but yeah. it, huge, quick, easy returns that way. So, and it, it really is, uh, uh, I look at it and go, gee, it's, uh, you're going to, in the end, see a difference in EHS, reportable spills and incidents, right? You're going to see a difference in your output in terms of operation, right? You're going to see a difference in your overall equipment effectiveness or OEE. And it's really simple stuff. And as you say, it's visible. That change in the environment, you'd be surprised how that impacts people. They feel good about coming to work because they're not coming into that pigsty, the place that's a wreck that they know it's just another leak, right? There's no point in fixing that one because three more are going to happen this week. Yep. Right? And by the way, the only time they were really fixing them was when we're trying to fix something down here and we're getting dripped on, right? There's crap falling down on us while we're, we're trying to change this pump or this blower or whatever, right? That's the only time they're ever getting at any of the other stuff, right? I'm not doing that until you fix that up there. Yep. Right. <laughs> exactly. So we, ta we start tackling these smaller things, leaks, um, you know, those types of things. When do we start moving the defect elimination to not large complex problems, but a little bit more advanced problems? All right. What, what I'm thinking of is like high speed packaging lines. And, you know, we have horrible startups or we have all these quality defects going through a labeler or whatever. When do we start looking at that stuff? All right, that really comes in with with OEE. I tell people, you know, probably your first step of defect elimination, the simple stuff is, as I talked about, bring the team in the room, groups in the room, different shifts even, do that. Now, as that progresses along, start measuring OEE. And OEE, please don't be measuring it at the line level. You got to move measure it at the asset level, right? So if you got that packaging line, you've got a case erector, you've got a case sealer, you got uh, whatever. If you're filling bottles, your bottle filler, right? After your bottle filler, your capper, you need to on that line say we're the most critical assets. Measure the OEE on those. Now all of a sudden, with that OEE, we can see which pieces of that line are actually struggling, right? And once we see what ones that are struggling, now let's identify the defects that are causing those struggles. Is it set up? Is it product changeover? Right. If it is, what do we need to do? What's the best tool to address that? And that's where we get into the other tools, the root cause analysis, the uh, RCM, um, statistical process control, Kaizen events, right? Those types of things come in based on where are we seeing losses and which of those losses are equipment related, which are process related. By understanding that, then we can focus on what's the right makeup of that team, right? And keep that team small. Again, by now we should have, if we've done started with the defect elimination, we should have identified some leaders and those leaders can pick those team members to say, hey, I think this is the best person to do this. This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out iridicio.com for a free copy of their ebook, A Smarter Way of Preventative Maintenance. This ebook will allow you to review your current maintenance program and eliminate the non-value-added work you're doing, which is most likely causing you more downtime than it is preventing. www.iridicio.com. All right, excellent. So in your experience, how long does it take to make that transition from when you're a fairly reactive plant, you're dealing with leaks, the low-hanging fruit, to when we start tackling more of those 
equipment type problems. Yeah, and this is what this is the hard part, right? <laughs> it, it really takes. I, I mean, the, the plant that I worked with last year, it, it literally it's going to be better than a year for them to to probably get where if you or I walked in, you'd say, "Wow, this place looks like they got it together," right? Um, it's going to take them some time because recognize the firefighting doesn't go away, right? Initially, it Marker. takes time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things that you're going to have to uh, really take some time. And this is where what's important is now I talked about, gee, this isn't a leadership issue. This is where the leadership side of this comes in, where they have to recognize people, reinforce people. Um, make those things public so people understand that you do see what's going on, right? You do see that things are changing and you do recognize people that are helping to make that change, right? Um, that's where good performance management skills come in is to get people to understand we are going to change this. This culture is going to change. Now we start looking at and measuring that along with the OEE, how much of that firefighting are we do? What is our schedule compliance in terms of PDM and PM, getting those things done? And by the way, this is something that Ron Moore and I talked about just the other day. That's really a measure for the operations manager. It always gets dropped in the maintenance manager's lap. What's your PM compliance? When in reality, the guy that controls that is the operations manager, right? Yep. So I want that measure dropped in that person's lap and that's the person that needs to be out there and be the most visible in terms of recognizing people for this defect elimination. It's funny you mention that because going back, it's probably 10 years ago in my career, um, we got told that PM compliance is now an operations manager's metric. And I'm like, yeah. why would that be the case? And it took me a little bit to think about it to realize why that was so important. And it's because they own the equipment. They're the ones yeah. who are going to release it to us. Yeah. We have no control whether they release it to maintenance to do that work. Yeah. And it, it gives them skin in the game to make sure it's effective, it's being used properly, all those different things. And, and <laughs> it's funny. You see this stuff, and when you've been involved in this type of uh, industry as long as people like you and I have, um, it, it sometimes is just it's not intuitive to other people. Right. Again, the same plant that I'm talking about, they'd have a, a major breakdown, right? And two-thirds of their crew are working on this. And the other third is out doing something else. And I'm asking the, the maintenance manager, uh, what are the PMs and PD or the PM stuff that you could be doing right now? And he's like, we can't do anything because we got this down. I said, no, you have a major piece of equipment down. What are the PMs that are due on that while it's down? Go get them done besides this emergency thing that you're working on, you have a window, right? Yep. Use that window. Not all of your people, right? This is where you need to prioritize what you're doing, right? If somebody's yep. out, out doing something simple on something else as opposed to the PM they could be doing on this, bring them back and do that PM. And he, he's like, wow, there's a lot more to this, <laughs> right? Yeah. 
It's called windows of opportunities, and those change on a daily basis when you're fighting fires. And I hear that excuse all the time, well, we can't get our PMs done because we're fighting fires. No, you're not getting your PMs done because you're not looking at the windows of opportunity that you have when you have breakdowns. Yeah, or right. when we're doing a product change. If you're doing yeah. a change over on a line, it's yeah. down now. What are all the maintenance guys doing while operations is doing that changeover? You can't have these walls between those groups. you got to have... You know, three, three people, I always say, operations supervisor, the maintenance supervisor, and the planner, and they need to sit down every day for some period of time, whether it's 20 minutes, 15 minutes. You know, I always say if it's beyond a half hour, you're talking about stuff that you probably shouldn't be talking about today because you are going to today. There are windows of opportunity that prop up on a daily basis, even on a shift by shift basis. Yep. I, I, most places I work at have some type of shift coverage for maintenance and those guys sit there and do twiddle their thumbs some nights, right? Well, there's windows of opportunity passing them by to do a PM, right? Now, yep. I've worked those shifts. I know what it's like. I'm a person that would, I would rather stay busy than be sitting somewhere, you know, trying to stay awake. Yep. I'm with um, you on that one. <laughs> so let's let's knock off a couple of those PMs while I have a window of opportunity. And when those people do that, again, that's an opportunity to to say thank you, give some reinforcement, recognition. You know, uh, James is getting more PMs done on his shift uh, than what he did last month or whatever. Somehow recognize that that people are actually doing the right things, right? And, and even again, that still comes back to what are those shift guys, are there defects that they recognize? If we talk to them, communicate to them, and there may be defects in how they get their work handed off to them, right? Simple things, how they, how they, you know, is there a way for them to get packages if they can work on some type of corrective maintenance at night? Uh, again, these opportunities are everywhere. Safety people quality people. They all have defects in their job. Yep. Uh, even your staff people have them, right? Yep, absolutely. Now, we tackle all those, or the goal is to tackle all those defects, whether it's those leaks, whether it's the more complex problems where we're going to bring in those other tools you mentioned. I can hear some people out there saying right now, I can't plan work to a level where I know I actually have parts or I don't have a work order system. How do I do this? to get me some time to actually implement a work order system or some basic planning activities. Right. And uh, trust me, there's probably more defects in that process than any other process that, that we deal with is the planning, scheduling, and kidding process. Lots of places uh, make a lot more of that than, than what they need to. Um, and it's typically because the systems don't talk well to one another. Yep. That's really... Uh, and again, sometimes you're talking two and three organizations if purchasing and the stock room are separate. And then the maintenance, you have the planner, right? So there has to be coordination between those three to say, what's the best way to make this work, right? And then the supervisor has to be able to say, well, if the planner says the job's ready, it's kitted, right? Then the supervisor, whoever is doing the, hopefully, I'm a person that says you need a planner and a scheduler, right? So the planner readies at the scheduler 
works with the maintenance and operations supervisor to get the job scheduled. So it really comes down to understanding the best way to use that process and then making those tools taught together. That's again where the defects are, uh, is making those work is a system, right? Yep. And it's one of those things that companies struggle with it. Um, and it's typically because uh, you're talking sometimes two and three different tools to make it happen, right? How well do those tools talk to one another? And what do we need to do to make that happen, right? Is there a simpler way to do this? Uh, again, I'm a person that says you have to get folks in the room and they have to talk to one another, right? Uh, struggling with the same issues over and over again will never get resolved by complaining that, well, that, that Doug guy, he has no idea what he's doing when he goes to, you know, to get these jobs, right? Yep. But, and to that point, that's where, you know, we just apply a different defect elimination tool. It certainly it might is. Be value, might be value stream mapping or process mapping. How yeah. does this act, how does a work order flow through the system? Where are yeah. the issues? And starting with that. And I think that's one of the issues why we have so many defects is because there's not a, there's not a consistent process in place. There's nothing in place to make sure everyone is doing it the same way. We know how things are being passed off, all those different things, right? Another example that I have from a customer is they're doing great with their, with their PM work. The problem is, is, and they've got good PMs, good measurable ones where they're taking thickness testing and they're doing, uh, all, all types of uh, eddy current and, and things on pressure vessels and heat exchangers. And uh, they get that information and then that somehow doesn't get back into the system, right? Whether you're using a contractor or their own people, oh, yep. here we go. We got all these thickness measurements on this, on this pressure vessel. Where do we put them? Said, what do you mean? Where, what do you mean where do you put them? Uh, we don't know how to get that back into the CMMS so that that history sits with that particular pressure vessel. Was well, the pressure vessel in the CMMS? Yeah. There's nowhere to, to tie a document to it? Yep. Huh. Let me think about that. All right. Because you've got PMs tied to it, so there has to be a way to tie a document to it. And your PMs are in, you know, whether in PDF form or Word form, there has to be a way to get that other history back in there, right? Yep. So uh, work together to figure out what the best way to do that is so that you have value down the road for actually doing that task, right? Um, yeah, it's and that's something I see all over the place. They collect all these data points, all these measurements. They get you know oil analysis. They get the results back. Oh, we don't have to do anything with it right now. And they just toss that report away, but they don't keep them or they're not trending that data to see is something changing. Right. And then there's, to your point, another defect in the system that prevents us from heading off stuff down the road. Right. And that's the thing. So did it go from, from good to bad in one month or was it actually progressing and you didn't recognize it because you're only looking at data month by month? Yep. Right. I think one of the biggest pieces of this defect elimination that impacts everything is on the engineering side. Yes. Where is the defect elimination in new equipment design, installation commissioning, storage of spares? 
because all that is going to have a ripple effect to all the stuff we're seeing in the plant. But no one, or sorry, not no one, but the vast majority of organization I have seen, there's not a good loop or feedback to engineering when we do RCAs or RCM or FMEAs to loop back and eliminate those defects at the very beginning. So we see it's uh, uh, continuously, especially in terms of drawings and drawing updates. Uh, you know, when you work on the control side of the business or the electronic side of the business in a maintenance group, you're, you depend on those drawings being accurate. And if they're not accurate, then you're just out there winging it like everybody else. Right. And I, I can always tell a place that's like that when I go and, you know, as we're touring around you, can I open that control panel? Right. What do you, I just want to take a look in there. Right. You open it up and you see, you know, 18 alligator clip jumpers in there. Right. <laughs> yep. You know that their drawings are not up to date and the, the place is a, is a wreck. Right. And then when you start talking to the guys, I'm shocked by this. And again, it's really a, a, a how you train and, and hire your skilled tradespeople. I'm shocked at the level number of skilled tradespeople that don't know that unless they communicate what they change, drawings will never get updated. No, there's some sort of mystical force that updates drawings well, for us. That's my job. <laughs> you are the one that changed it, right? Yep. <laughs> there's supposed again, to be, more right? All of a sudden we have a problem with backflow. Who took the check valve out? Huh? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that goes to a whole MOC process that right, exactly. is virtually non-existent in most organizations. Right. And guess what? That has defects as well. So <laughs> this process never ends. And that's why I always tell people, uh, again, Ron and I just talked about this in the last week or two on a podcast, the measurements that, that uh, organizations should have in place. And that's one that I say, please measure things that are proactive. And there's nothing more proactive than defect elimination, right? How many defects did we eliminate this month? Wait a minute. You think we should have a goal for that? I don't care if you even have a goal or not, but you should be able to see that if You're we're eliminating something. defects, we're doing something. We're making progress on something. Let's hope that we see that somewhere else down the road. I can tell you if you're not eliminating defects, don't expect to see anything change. Absolutely. Right. Nothing is going to change. So should you think you should set some goals for that? Probably so. Right. Whose lap should it fall in? Right. Well, I don't know. Who's responsible for the people that are eliminating the defects? Is the maintenance supervisor, the operations supervisor, the quality manager, right? The EHS manager, all those people have defects in their jobs that they can eliminate, right? Yep. So, so you know, defect elimination is one of those critical things that's going to allow us to get ahead, improve performance, improve safety, all those great things. Where do people find out more about defect elimination? Do you have any go-to resources for this? Any references that you want them people to reach out to you? There's there's lots of articles on it. You know, probably if you Googled defect elimination, um, this is the sad part about what the internet has gone to. The first five pages are going to be companies like mine advertising, 
right? <laughs> what you really were looking for is articles on defect elimination. When you get to those articles, read on those because there's a lot that's out there for free. And I tell people, this is you don't need a consultant to help you eliminate defects. Just go out and start to talk to your people, right? If you need to pay me for two or three days to come in and tell you that something's wrong, right? Yep. I'll come, I'll come do it if you want me to. Right. But there's better ways to spend your money, like eliminating some of these defects. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's, I'm just a person that says sometimes we need to go back to simple, right? There's a lot of stuff out there. Uh, the, the latest and greatest is, is, uh, you know, the industrial internet of things and smart machines, and those are all wonderful, right? But guess what? Humans make them run, right? And humans cause defects, right? Yep. And if you don't have that MOC process in place, if you don't have people that are trained to, do, to work on those new types of assets, and you don't have people that understand what causes those alarms and what causes this message to come up on the screen? Uh, you're going to be in the same boat months yep. down the road that you were before you put that machine in with all those beautiful bells and whistles. So, Absolutely. So where can people get in touch with you if they want to bring you in or they're, they're moving through it, but they want to improve their game? How do they get in touch with you? Uh, they can get in touch with me through my website, which is uh, www.rcmblitz.com. That's the best way. I am on LinkedIn. Just look up Doug Plucknut. You'll find me. You can Google my name. I have enough stuff out there that uh, you'll find me one way or the other. Uh, so, yeah, um, and I'm always willing to help. Even uh, I'm a person that says, look, just if you want to do uh, – Something that's web-based like this, right? Talk to your people or come in. I'm more than happy to do that. Um, but I'm also a person that says, try it yourself. Read some, <laughs> experiment a little. It really, and you know this as well as I do. Talk to your people. Your people have answers. They yep. really do. They do. But for some reason, organizations want to listen to someone who flew, on, flew in on an airplane. As there we go. To their own people at times. <laughs> it's a crazy world. Yep. Well, Doug, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat defect elimination with me today. I greatly right. appreciate it. And I highly encourage people to uh, start down the path of defect elimination. Um, any parting words? Enjoy uh, the upcoming spring and summer. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, thanks once again for having me on. I appreciate it. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iridicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing this small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.